you want to go super duper high? Oh, I think that's a Phoenix. That thing I that thing. You think that's your friend Phoenix? Yes. From school? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. You want to go super high? Yes. All right. Hello and welcome to another episode of Hot Marriage, Cool Parents. I am Doug Hainer, not joined by my wife, Jamie Otis. She actually took a trip up to see her sisters, which they're now under a full foot of snow. But Jamie went to go see her sister, Amy Lynn, and her sister, Leah, and her extended family up in New York. Uh, Leah, if you followed Jamie on Instagram at Jamie and Otis, she shared a couple pictures of her little nephew, Trevor, who was born prematurely. And also her other sister, Amy Lynn, just had a baby who named the baby after Jamie, which was extremely thoughtful and amazing. But Jamie will not be joined with us. But someone that will be joined with us and coming up in just a little bit is we'd like to give a Married at First Sight review. So after each episode of Married at First Sight, my parents are going to hop on the phone and give their thoughts and opinions. And my mom is one of the most opinionated people that you'll ever meet. And we just kind of open up the microphone and let her talk into it. So everybody's been really, really interested in what they have to say. There's been a lot of great reviews with them. So we're happy to have them back on. And also the guest later is someone that is truly, truly inspiring. We've really been promoting this body positivity and loving yourself and really loving yourself from within. And our guest later today, Trisha Taylor, speaks to that. This is someone that has gone through a ton of adversity. She has osteogenesis imperfecta, which is a brittle bone disorder. She is two feet, 10 inches tall and 60 pounds. And she's going to share her story because she did defy all odds, became pregnant and gave birth to a beautiful, beautiful child. And she's going to be on later. So definitely stay tuned to that. I do want to quickly mention too that Trisha's disability also makes it sometimes difficult for people to understand her. Uh, I think she sounded fine and I think she spoke very clearly, but it was challenging to get together some of the sentences and understand her. So just wanted to make sure you tune in and, and listen extra careful for when Trisha speaks because she really, really brings an inspiring, powerful message and someone that has suffered through that disability. And that's really all that she's known her whole life. But for someone to be as positive as she is, is just really, truly amazing. But First, we always love giving our five-star reviewers a shout out. So this week comes from Chris Dima. I love the episode with Anna, the dietitian. I've struggled with an eating disorder for a decade. And honestly, the only thing that semi healed me was getting pregnant with my first child. I'm only now feeling the repercussions of living in a disordered eating world. Hearing voices like Anna is beyond freeing. I found peace in not putting value on food and hearing that it is an acceptable way to live feels amazing. It doesn't have to be a diet culture world. I know I'll always struggle with food issues, but having a positive source to look to is so helpful. Thank you. Which really brings a smile to my face, Chrissy. Thank you so much for not just giving us that review, but also letting us know that the people that we do have on, they're really helping. And we want to continue with this trend of inspirational guests, body positivity type guests to go along with Jamie's digital course, Become Body Positive, which we're going to be announcing the dates and everything real soon and definitely check out become body positive Instagram handle or even at Jamie and Otis or go to jamieotis.com check out our website and there is a free webinar that she's also offering a free live webinar 
to be able to give some helpful tips and a preview of her masterclass and digital online course, which we're so busy working on, but also so excited to be able to launch. And it's a passion project for Jamie. And she is working so hard and so many hours. And all of this while being a mom who breastfeeds Hendrix, our son, every two to three hours, even through the night. So she's superwoman in my mind. And yeah, I love her for that. And you know, there was no question that this year, more than any other year, Valentine's Day looked completely different. Jamie and I decided that we were going to get each other scuba lessons, which I am so pumped about. And one of the best birthday presents that Jamie ever got was a trip to South Africa to swim with a great white shark. It was something that was on my pre-baby bucket list, swim with a great white shark, go on an actual safari, go to South Africa. And we banged out all of those right before we had Henley. So it seemed to work. But this year we went out to one of our new favorite restaurants down here in Sarasota. We found possibly the best Italian food in Florida. I'm going to go ahead and say that. I still love my New York and New Jersey Italian places, but this place around here, I think it's Chianti is the place. It is absolutely phenomenal. Every meal we've had there so far has been great, but we had a chance to sit outside, have a nice dinner. We had a rose and I didn't want to just go into Valentine's Day without getting her anything. Even though we decided to get scuba lessons for each other, I always like to get Jamie something. But this year for Valentine's Day, I wanted to get Jamie and Henley something. So I decided to get them a mommy daughter manicure and pedicure. I searched all over Sarasota and found the nail salon that was taking the most precautions, which looked the most clean to me, in my opinion. But I walked in and I said, do you guys do manicures and pedicures for someone that's under four years old? And they said, yes, we'll even give you a discount. So I got Jamie and Henley a manicure and pedicure day. So I can't wait to see some of the videos of Henley getting a manicure and pedicure and seeing what color she picks out for her nails. But that was my Valentine's Day gift this year. It was low key, but it was really nice. It was sweet. We got a chance to go out. We had a babysitter for Henley and Hendrick. So I really enjoyed it this year and just being able to sit outside having it be warm, being able to wear shorts and a t-shirt was actually just phenomenal, which I really love. But I am really looking forward to going scuba diving. And if any of you have any good scuba diving spots down here in Florida, please let us know. Please reach out. We haven't started the classes yet, but we're going to start doing it really, really soon. But anyway, I think that it's about time to bring on my parents. So I'm going to go ahead and give them a call. And we're going to do a brand new Married at First Sight episode review, episode six, which is pretty much the end of the honeymoon phase and preparing to go home back to the real world, which is going to be a true test for all of these Married at First Sight couples. So let me get my very opinionated parents or I should say my mom has most of the uh, very awesome opinions about each of the episodes. And we wanted to give a quick Married at First Sight recap for those that did not see episode six yet. Spoiler alert, but we've warned you. But mom, dad, welcome. Hello, hello. Do you guys really enjoy doing this? Because I feel like you do. Oh, we do. We do. (laughs) Daddy and I get to sit next to each other and watch it. Usually he's in one room watching his, you know, blood and guts, and uh, I'm in the other room watching, you know, gambling or something. Good for you. But, uh, you know, this way we sit together and we laugh, we bitch, we moan, can't believe that this happened, can't believe that happened. So it's fun. Yeah, does it bring back 
any memories from when Jamie and I were going through it? Um, it does. Uh, only I thought that you and Jamie were very, uh, very nice to each other. I mean, she didn't say to you constantly, well, yeah, that you got somebody else pregnant or <laughs> there's not, there wasn't a lot of drama. There was a lot of uncertainty about how she felt about you and you felt about her. Right. But I think you had more in common than a few of these couples do. Yeah. I think it's a very you know? different show this time around. I mean, not just because of the number of couples, but the structure and just the unknown and not really having a plan or uh, a formula to go by. It was really, let's just film everything because this is season one and, and see how it works out. That's it. That's it. I mean, Monet and Vaughn, they were the one that kind of sort of really had more drama than Courtney and Jason and you and Jamie. Yeah, for sure. But this time, oh my God, I have to say, I give a lot of credit to Lala, but uh, <laughs> you're of course I talking about Paige. You refer to Paige as Lala and Chris yeah, as and Lulu, which Chris is the, as yeah, big Lulu loser. Big I call him Lulu season. loser. That's right. And um, I, I feel I feel very, 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 very bad for Paige. I mean, she's either got to be really godlike and. Uh, because I wouldn't be able to take it. I would tell him to go pound rock salt, and I would have been out of there in a hurry. Yeah. And I say to your dad that I honestly think that the experts should step in and say, we don't blame you. We understand what's going on. You know, let's end this now before any other hurt. I mean, because you saw at the end of when they were packing to go home, yep. you heard him talking about, his ex, well, I still love her. And yeah, we did talk about be, you know, maybe being together. Why would you say that when I, you yeah. just got married? I mean, this, I mean, come on. And coming off last episode where he said that his wife is his queen and she comes first That's above exactly right. everything. And he, then it's just, you know, one, I mean, and just to catch everybody up. So, so Chris and Paige, um, are the explosive couple for this season. And Chris dropped a bombshell that he heard his ex was pregnant with his baby. And this was all on the honeymoon. So like figure day right. two, day Six three. Six weeks earlier than when he got married. And you so can't... he was messing around six weeks before he knew that he was going to be married. Right, I mean, but come he, on. he didn't know at the time that he was going to be married. So you can't, I, I mean... I, I don't care if he knew at the time, but he was still making out and having sex with somebody six weeks before he's supposed to get married. Yeah. And, I mean, and, you know, you're still doing that kind of stuff. Why do you get married? That's, that's kind of ludicrous. Yeah. That's and, kind of stupid. And I think that it's starting to really... Um, it, it's starting to almost infect the rest of the couples because now they're starting to get together and speak together. And now everybody has an opinion on this. And I think Chris even gets to an argument or a fight with Eric at one point because Eric tells well, him to you know, man he up. Sticks his, he sticks his two cents where sometimes it shouldn't be. <laughs> He's trying to be like the dad of the group. Yeah. You know, well, well, let's, let's, be... uh, let's talk about this and let's let you know that we're behind you a hundred percent. Blah, 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 blah. 
Yeah. Just mind your own business. Well, and so you let's... got enough to take care of with the little drinker, <laughs> then, uh, you know, that you should be worried about everybody else. I think she's fun. I, I do like her. I don't know if she's really going to stay with Chris in the sense that he's got some very strict rules that came out in the episode. So, um, just to catch up. So Virginia and Eric, you mean Eric, you yes. don't mean Chris. No, Virginia and Eric had a very strong connection right from the beginning, making right out kissing be- so giddy with Play each right other. From the very beginning. Yep. And so, um, this past episode, Virginia shares with Eric that most of her friends are guy friends and Eric yeah, has very yeah. strict rules for some reason about this. So no female male friendships and almost this could be maybe even a, a deal yeah. breaker. Which, and, yeah. And let me tell you, then you look at him and you say, Oh yeah, you probably uh, know all about the male, how they look at a woman and say, I want her, even if they're friends. Come on. Yeah. He's just, he's just a tutu. You know, it's a little, it's, it's a very old school way of thinking. You know, it's, it's tough to try to imagine getting married to a stranger, but then all of a sudden you ha- you know nothing about this other person and you're going to tell them who and who they shouldn't right. be friends he's with. Like, he's like playing daddy. Yeah. You know, he's like really playing daddy to her. Yeah. That's why for her, you know how every week I say my thumb is in the middle. Yes. Middle way. I mean, it still is in the middle way. I think, you know, I think he can come around. You know, she's got to grow up a little bit. Yeah. You know, now that she's married, she's got to understand that she's, you know, it's not all fun and games. You know, right. she's got to respect his wishes. And his feelings about things and vice versa. Yeah, I think that's something that he can get over, I think, with some conversation. And, you know, you don't have a foundation of trust yet between the couple. Oh, absolutely not. You know, so absolutely not. Your views They're are just... They're still in happy world. Right. Your views you know? are just kind of looking through a window and saying, okay, I, I don't want you to be friends with guys. All guys just want to sleep with you. Or I don't see it where... Once he gets to trust her, I think that that could be something that they can get over. And I think what's going to save them when they get home is the fact that he is gone for two, three days out of the week because I just flying. Exactly. Because he is a pilot. So he has to go away and she's been very independent. She likes to go out. This will give her that taste of marriage, but also that taste of freedom where they're not struggling to make time or forcing but then when he comes back is he gonna like you know put her through the fifth degree you know (laughs) yeah that'll take time but you know jamie worked nights through the hospital so there was a couple days each week where i was leaving to work as she was getting home and then i was getting home from work as she was leaving for work so but it gave us time to miss each other it gave us time to be separated and still have our own breathing space in a sense that's it well like i I've neither gone upward or downward on that. They're still in the center okay. for right now. Fair enough. And I like to get to the kind of like boring ones, but cute ones. Brianna and Vincent. I think yes. they're very, very cute. And I hope, who is it? Jessica and Austin of last season. Yes. How they kind of gelled from the very beginning and stayed that way through the whole season. Yeah. You know, I think that they're going to stay good. You know, we haven't seen any drama yet between them, which I'm sure we'll see. Oh, you know, there's sure. still well, I, a number of weeks to go. 
I think Vincent sort of hinted on part of her family saying that she's bossy. She's and, bossy. You know, Maybe he was waiting for it, you know, to see just how bossy she got. Yeah, and how, but, they re- and how uh, she I reacts. I like her. I like her, and I like him a lot. So my thumbs are still up. And yeah. my thumbs are still up for Clara and Ryan, although I think Ryan is a little controlling in the fact that he doesn't want her to talk about their lives really at all. Remember, yeah. he said, I just ask you not to talk about our sex life or our intimacy or whatever. Yeah, well, he, so she he opened said, up. She I opened have up. to respect that. Yeah, she opened up to, it was Chris and Paige. And when Ryan brought it up, she really didn't take it well. Yeah, oh, I know. I saw that face. That, uh Yeah, so uh, we'll see what happens once they get to live with each other in their normal setting and once they start going to work, because that's really the test. You know, the honeymoon is the get to know you and get to flirt and be intimate phase. And then once you get home, it it becomes real life. You know, so we'll see. That's why, you know, I just feel so bad. Oh, well, getting to Mr. Personality. Well, yeah, I was going to say, so Haley, well, before we get to Haley and Jacob, so for me, I don't know if I see Ryan and Clara working out. I think that he's, it's almost like he is taking a higher position and it almost feels like he gets annoyed with her very easily. And they're still right. figuring each other out, but we'll see once they get home and yeah, they start exactly, to interact exactly. with normal He seems like he's, you know what I mean? They're a little older now and they get married. You know, you're pretty much set in your ways. And, you know, just like every marriage, it's always a give and a take, right. you know? And sometimes the man has to give a little bit more. And then sometimes the female has to give a little bit more. Yeah. Of course, I gave 100%, and your father, I think, <laughs> gave 85 Am I right, honey? No, I'm a lot less than 85 <laughs> That's all. compulsive, and I'm just a slob. Did you hear him? I did, yeah. Um, but what the big surprise for me was the fact that Haley and Jacob consummated their marriage. Oh, my God. I didn't even know he knew how to do it. <laughs> Unbelievable. I wonder Unbelievable. If he, yeah, I wonder if he wore his aviators and fanny pack while he made love oh, to his he wife. he might have wore those dopey T-shirts that he had. Yeah. I honestly thought maybe he was still a virgin, to be perfectly honest. No, But, no I mean, if you heard him, he really had a lot to say to her. I think it surprised her that he said, you know, calling her out on the fact that he doesn't seem to think that she's in it, you know, and he was really hurt when he went downstairs, I guess. She had wanted time, and when she went downstairs, she was with everybody but him. Right, well, so um, so uh, to backtrack, so Haley gets caught lying to Jacob. So she says she's going out for a ladies' night, and uh, then all of a sudden, Jacob comes downstairs and sees that she's hanging out with all the other couples. Well, you know, my thumb is almost all the way down on them. Yeah, that was a big Because I don't think they have one thing in common. He can't even talk to her decent. I mean, yeah, there's no chemistry. And when I say decent, I don't mean he's nasty to her, but it's almost like he's shy. To, I don't know. He's yeah. just really weird, weird, you know, weird, you weird. Would, 
you would think at this point there would be some sort of spark, you know, some sort of, okay, I get why we're here. I get why we got matched up. And they are two very different people. And I don't know how that's going to work out, uh, especially because, you know, at this point, opposites can be okay because they complement, you know, what, whatever yeah, you're lacking. But, oh, there's nothing. But it doesn't there's seem, nothing. yeah, it doesn't seem like they're connecting in a way where he makes her better and she makes him better in certain areas. And, you know, I'm, I just don't know about them. I, I'm still on the fence with them. Yeah, no, my thumb is going, you know, farther, farther down. I mean, unless he picks up his conversation, you know, a meaningful thing. I don't know. It's just like he surface talks. Yeah, well, I mean, it's almost like when they get back, it'll be another test for them. And, you know, they could be one heart to heart conversation away from connecting, which the experts can help with. But whether they're too yeah. far apart now or if it's just too far gone, only time well, will I, She was really upset when he called her out, you know. I mean, she was visibly upset, like, oh, God, I really got caught in this. Yeah. But yeah. she had no response to it. Yeah. Not that they showed on TV anyway that she had any kind of decent response back, you know? Yeah, yeah, you know, I did feel bad when he started saying, you know, well, it was just obvious that she just didn't want to include me or hang out with me, so. Right, exactly. But now, Doug, could you hang out with him? Come on, let's be real. (laughs) Well, I mean, who knows? You know, maybe he's that way on camera. You know, there's a whole other side to them. So I, we'll I know, and you know how TV loves drama. So uh, well, I think that he is completely out of his comfort zone. I think once he gets into his safe space with his house that he talks about over and over and over again, I think that he'll open up more, be a little bit more giddy and lively and playful maybe, but yeah, who knows? Yeah. But he has to meet her friends. She has to meet his friends. And maybe through all of that, she'll mellow a little bit. I don't know. I don't see the thumb going up too fast, though. My thumb. And you're still on the, uh, with Chris and Paige, you're still thumbs down? Oh, dear God. (laughs) It's almost a 45 degree angle now. Down. (laughs) Oh, my God. He is so manipulative. And how... How could she be so smart, but so fogged? I think she's she's trying. She's just really trying. And I think she's also trying to save face on camera. Well, okay. That I can understand, but I mean, come on. Yeah. I just think really, I said before, I just really think that for every, how much can you be embarrassed? How much can you take when you know it's on TV And he just turns around and, you know, talks sweet to her and she smiles and says, okay. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, You know, yeah. I think that she's understanding more that, you know, it's not going to work out long term. I mean, she has to see that now where if there's this much in the beginning within the first week of marriage, what does the rest of the life look like? Like that's scary. That's exactly it. I just feel so bad for her. And really, I just think that, I mean, it would make for good TV or whatever. If the experts came in and just say, look, we can't have you go through this humiliation week after week. Well, I think she has to initiate that. You know, the experts are more consultants in a way where they're going to step in and bring out everything. And if you can't get past that, everything that they bring out and speak to it, then you know, ultimately it's up to her and it's up to him. And, you know, he keeps one after the other after the other. I told you 
see this last week, watch. You know, just watch. Everything turn around and they stay together. I mean, that will be it. That would be the biggest hole possible ever dug out if Chris and Paige stays together. Oh, absolutely. And then I'd like to see where Kevin Frazier, you know, his six months review. Yep. Because he even had sons down for them staying together. Yeah. And, and, and that was just after meeting Paige, you know, <laughs> in the uh, waiting to get married and Chris waiting to get married. Yeah. That was a few weeks before then. And Kevin Frazier doesn't hold back. He speaks his mind for sure. And that's good. I really like that about him. Yeah. I really do. I liked watching his opinions. Yeah. Well, I love you, Mom. And as always, you knocked it out of the park and Dad... And, um, okay, well, let Daddy say something. Hold on. Okay. S O M E T H I N G. I even spelled it. Good job. Yep. All right. Well, we you love... don't know what type of brow beating I get every day. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> what you're not every, doing. every man should have a woman like me, right, Doug? Right. That's it. Well, I lo- okay, babe. I love you both. I love you, and we'll talk soon. You got it, and see you next week okay, to everybody okay. on the podcast. You'll hear from them next week. Okay, love you. Love you too. Bye bye. All right, guys. So as we continue with the theme of body positivity, we will continue to have amazing guests that radiate just that. Today, we have Trisha Taylor on the podcast. She's a wife, a mom, and a blogger who continues to share about the blessings and the struggles of being a disabled woman. Trisha has osteogenesis imperfecta, which is a brittle bone disorder, which means that she has had over 600 broken bones and seven surgeries. She's two feet, 10 inches tall, and only weighs 60 pounds And five years ago, she defied the odds and became pregnant. She is such an inspiration, and we cannot wait to chat with her more. Welcome, Trisha. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, my goodness. You are a force to be reckoned with. I am so excited to chat with you. So for all of our listeners, Trisha reached out to me, and although I get tons of emails, hers really stood out to me from her high-risk pregnancy to her brittle bone disorder. Girl, you are such a fighter, seriously, and you really do stand out to me. I love like just your positive energy, and I can't wait to hear more about your story. So can you tell us a little bit more about you know who you are, what you're going through, and all that you've overcome? Yeah, so I'm Billy Ben, and I obviously have the osteogenesis imperfecta, which is for the bones. And basically, um, when I was younger, I fractured um, everything as far as sneezing, coughing, blowing up, sitting up. I fractured all the time. And then when I was fed, I got a bone treatment called Pemigenate, and that completely changed my life. I wasn't able to sit up on my own. I was, I mean, even on diapers because I was 12, they couldn't transfer me. A lot of times they were breaking me. And then I got that treatment, and then I was able to learn how to transfer myself and not my chair. And then later, obviously, I learned how to drive a man. So now I drive a little minivan, or a big minivan, I guess. And then when I was 17, I moved out of my parents' house. I went to college where I got my master's in social work. And then the first year of college, I met my husband, Michael, and so did that. And then five years ago, we had our son. And in the day, we had two miscarriages before we had him. Oh, I am so sorry because I know that's like so hard for anyone to go through, but I'm so thankful you got your rainbow baby five years ago. So when you were younger, you had several, several broken bones and you had to have some sort of a transplant in order for them, your bone. IV treatment. Oh, you had IV treatments. Okay. And so the IV treatments, now your bones don't break as often. Is that right? Yeah. So now they just break 
mostly with traumatic things like just a couple months ago, my chair didn't stop moving. And when I stopped, then I let go of it. I landed into a bed and I fractured my knee. And then sometimes sneezing and coughing can still fracture me, but that's not as frequent. So sneezing and coughing can cause your bones to break? Oh my goodness. So, I mean, you say this so stoically and so strong, but I imagine it's painful. Is it painful? Yeah, it's the same as like if you go to fracture. The only difference is I don't know anything different. I don't know that it's like to be you and normal. It's just who I am. So, hi. My husband, Doug, just bopped in. This is Trisha. (laughs) Okay. I feel like there's an awful lot to unpack with you, Trisha, because you have defied the odds in so many different ways. And you're sitting here chatting with me with a smile on your face. Do you ever feel sorry for yourself that you're in a wheelchair, your bones break from just coughing? You know, you've obviously had to overcome more than most. So like day to day, no, I don't feel sorry for myself have moments of frustration, but like if I get a fracture, like when I broke my knee, I did a Instagram post about it and I was like crying and I was frustrated because it sets me back. Like if I fracture majorly, I have to lay in bed. I have to take narcotics. I have to rest. I can't just be the normal man in life. I have to stop life until I can manage. So I do have my days that are left, but I try to just pick myself up and keep going. Oh my gosh, you are so incredibly inspiring, Trisha. You really, truly are. Uh, For anybody listening, I mean, first of all, I can just raise my hand here because I'm instantly like, all the things that I complain about, I don't have to worry about you know, cracking my knee or coughing and breaking a rib. Like there's so many things that I complain about that this is just a hundred percent putting my life in perspective and the privilege that I have to just have a healthy body that doesn't break bones and whatnot. What would you say, like, how could you encourage people to be as positive as you are? I mean, who taught you how to be so positive and how could you encourage others, myself included, to be more uh, you're just so, you radiate such positive energy and I like, give me some of that. <laughs> so before we get to that, I do want to give a shout out to one of our sponsors, Talkspace. Now Talkspace is your online therapy and for everyone in the world, really this COVID has really changed everything from family to work to workspace. And a lot of us have had to be at home and stuck at home. And a lot of us had to turn our homes into home offices or conference rooms. A lot of different stressors have been added to families. And I cannot speak enough to Talkspace and Talkspace therapy, whether it's just you're looking for an outlet to speak to a therapist or to get something off your chest, or you're just looking for that extra boost in morale or looking to gain some motivation I highly encourage you to check out Talkspace. And Talkspace makes it so incredibly convenient for you to sign up and speak with a therapist that same day. They do virtual sessions. Depending on the plan that you choose, you can text, video, send voice messages. And when you go online to Talkspace, you take a quick questionnaire. They match you with your perfect therapist. And they have thousands of licensed therapists in over 40 different specialties. So whether it's depression, anxiety, substance abuse, relationship issues, food and eating, Talkspace is a secure and private way for you to have these sessions in your own home, but also convenient enough to either talk, text, video message, 
and it's at a fraction of the cost of in-person therapy. So instead of waiting for an appointment or scheduling something to go into an office, you can do everything right from the comfort of your own home. So Jamie and I both have used Talkspace, continue to use Talkspace for therapy. So if any of this is connecting with you, you just want to check it out. Here's a way to get $100 off your first month with Talkspace. So again, go online, match with your perfect therapist today. You can go to Talkspace.com or download the app. Make sure you use the code Jamie, J-A-M-I-E, to get $100 off your first month. That's Talkspace.com. Use the code Jamie to get $100 off. Find your therapist today at Talkspace.com. Use the code Jamie. Get $100 off your first month. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, that's all I'm going to say about that. Let's get back to the interview. So I still have that girl bill complaints, just like you. I still complain about being a mom. I still complain about the middle of the night, getting up with three of the building, or, you know, my kid not going to bed at night, or him not listening. I mean, like, I still have the same irritations. But then at the same time, I look at him and I realize that I did to get him here. And I can't be mad any longer. It's such a blessing that I have him. But on the, I got it from my parents, I would say, and my grandparents and my family. I was raised in a dairyman community, like in an agricultural with like a thousand cows. And so when I was little, I would chase the cows and like, they, you know, they were way bigger than me. And I'm out there at like 30 pounds chasing them. Um, so I think part of it is just that the agricultural theory mindset. It's just part of my nature. But I also think just I've always been a go-getter and a goal-focused person. That that's what I have to do to get to my next goal. So I guess just focusing on what you can control instead of what you can't control. And are you still torturing the cows to this day? No, so my family <laughs> doesn't really have it. The dairy industry is much... But every once in a while, I still go out there and chase them, but not really. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about essentially like how you carried the baby. Like I know that if you just by coughing, you could break a bone. So how on earth were you able to deliver this baby and carry this baby? You know, did he come early? What was that journey like for you? And I'm sure after speaking with the doctors, they a lot of times have statistics and, you know, something and something chance. What was that going into that discussion with your doctor? So, going back to the beginning, I hid it from pretty much everyone except for Michael, very, very close friends, my caregiver at the time, and I finally told my primary doctor at one of my regular visits because she wanted to refill my birth control. And I said, I quit birth control, I want a baby, and first she was really negative, and I don't have that doctor anymore, partly because of all this, but she convinced me to finally go see a high-risk doctor and not try to get pregnant until I talked to her. I had already been a couple months into trying to get pregnant, so I was like, okay, that I will go see you. So I went and saw the high-risk doctor, and that doctor was very rude. Um, he just said, don't do it. And then I kept saying, let it happen. If you don't want me to do this, you have to say, this is going to happen. 
or this could happen and how this is going to happen. And he just kept saying that it could break your bones, it could kill you. He just kept saying that type of thing. And I said, the high will the baby kill me? Like, let it happen. And he said, the baby's going to get too big and crush your bones. And I said, if you saw the baby getting too big, you would take the baby. You would do a C-section, just like if you get too big. They say, okay, we need the baby out. And I said, I'm willing to take that risk. If it gets to a scary point, we'll take him out, and he'll be a Mickey baby. Because like, I knew I could carry him at least, I think it was 24 weeks. He had to at least make it to. And he just kept saying, look, fracture bones. I said, fracture's not scare me. Are you telling me my spine is going to fracture? Are you telling me my hips are going to fracture? Are you telling me my ribs are going to fracture? But we just don't know. And I said, if you can't tell me one specific thing that's going to happen, I cannot commit and I will not do this. And I ended up backing out because he was so rude. And then, of course, I heard the crowd cried because there was not positivity. Or, he didn't even act for, like, adoption or surrogacy. Like, he was just going to do it. And then, of course, they said the baby would have 50% chance of having my condition. And it's another thing that I addressed. I said, I'm not scared of the baby having my condition. I don't think this condition is a bad thing. I would rather my son not have it, but if he does, he's got the best parent to help him learn. So it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And I ended up going home and saying I'm going to continue. Well, good for you. I mean, it takes a strong mind and personality for sure and brave to even just going in with the mindset and having people tell you no and just really overcoming that. And it just tells a lot about your character and good for you. Oh my gosh. I want more of you inside my body. Like your mentality is really, really inspiring. I mean, so for anyone who wasn't quite able to understand any of that. So essentially Trisha was saying that she went to the high risk doctor because her doctor said, well, if you're trying to get pregnant, definitely go to high risk doctor, which definitely makes sense. So she goes to the high risk doctor and this guy was so rude to her. She was saying, listen, like, you know, I want to get pregnant. And he was just instantly like, no, like, no, 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 you can't get pregnant. And she's like, well, why? Like, what will happen? And he's like, well, you're going to break bones. And she's like, okay, yeah, well, I've broken a lot of bones in my life. So if that's the worst that's going to happen, I'm still okay with it. Like I'm, I'm used to this. And he goes, no, 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 no. The baby's going to get too big. And she's like, okay, so if the baby gets too big, whether you have my condition or you have, you know, healthy body with strong bones, you're going to take the baby out via C-section. And so she like just kind of stood up for herself in the strongest way possible. I mean, and so then you left the office and you're like, well, this dude's just rude and I'm going to go home. Did you end up trying to have a baby then without having a doctor? Like, did you, how did you? Yeah, so we're getting punishment now. I always had menstruation issues. I could never have a period without some type of birth control, but I knew I couldn't be on birth control to get pregnant. So I asked my doctor, my primary, if she could get me on some kind of testing done to see that, that I couldn't get normal menstruations even. And she didn't do it. She was like, because the answer is birth control. So I just went to herbs. Like, I'm just going to look at every herb I could find. And I ended up getting one called Ditex. And that's the one that ultimately got me pregnant with my son. Because I tried other ones, and I totally think that didn't help. What was that herb called? Vitex, V-I-T-E-X. Okay, I'm going to put that in the show notes for sure because I know that there are a lot of women here who are trying to conceive, who have struggled getting pregnant, and you said that this herb helped you kind of regulate. The only thing that, it was the only thing that got me even a normal period, normal ovulation. It was the only thing that looked. I mean, I spent a lot of pregnancy tests. <laughs> 
Ovulation test. Yeah, I think I would probably, I mean, that's just the way I am where I would just be like, okay, I'm just going to get pregnant and then we'll figure it out. I'm not going to get any other naysayers. I'm just going to do this. But speaking from a male perspective, what were the conversations like with your husband? Was he just completely on board with this or was that a tough conversation to have in the beginning? So in the beginning, I told him that I was putting birth control. We did not do this the right way. I would not advocate this. This is not what I would recommend. But I'm going to tell you the honest story. The honest story is I told him I was putting birth control, and he said if I ever got pregnant, he would leave me. And then he said that because he was scared. And I knew he did it like I knew my husband. We had been together like seven years at the time. I knew he wouldn't really leave me. So I just said, okay. And then, of course, that is pretty much the only conversation. He saw the herbs. He knew I was researching. He obviously knew that I was instigating intimacy. Like, he knew yeah, there was nothing hidden, but it was not something we directly had conversations about because he was so against it at first. But I knew it was based on skill because I knew pretty much I was on my own. Like, there was right. not going to be then person that was like, yes, go ahead and have a baby. This is the greatest idea ever. Guys just like the trying part. Yeah, yeah, we'll try for a baby. That's the fun part. Exactly. <laughs> um... I adore you. I cannot tell you how much I really, really like, I wish we were neighbors. Where do you live real fast? Just curious. Idaho. Idaho. Okay. So we're not neighbors, but I feel like there are so many people who could really benefit from your mindset. Like the way you persevere, the way you research yourself, you don't let doctors tell you no, and you're just not scared. You don't live in fear. And I feel like, you know, a lot of people who have some sort of obstacle against them, they tend to live in fear. They're very much dictated by what doctors and I guess like leaders say to them. And honestly, I'm kind of one of them to be very honest. Like I've always just listened and I, I really love how you just went out and set out for yourself. But I have to finish this story about how you had your baby and everything. So, um, and then we're going to transition over to like more body positive, but I wanted to Real ask- quick, actually, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Real quick, just because we just spoke about it, but you get pregnant and you get the results is there a change in your husband's mindset? So when I take it the first time, deliver a piece of paper, and I told him, and he didn't say anything, like went mute, and didn't talk to me for like five hours. And I was like, okay. And I had his father and his stepmom come to town because I was afraid if he was going to leave, like they would mm -hmm. talk him out of it, uh, like call it down, you know. So, and I had to tell them because they were like, why do you need us to come two hours away for right now? I'm like, you just need to get here. It's mm -hmm. an emergency. And so he didn't talk to me. And then like two days later, he was talking baby names. So <laughs> Awesome. That's amazing. And obviously you knew that's how it was going to be. Did he want to be a dad? Like, did he say that he wanted to be a dad? I think he wanted to be a dad, but he was scared for the situation. Like he knew that, you know, he chose me, but... You know, the doesn't say so he definitely wasn't going to get more than a cut it out of me, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. So, the pregnancy, how was the pregnancy? Did you break bones? Was it really painful for you? What was your pregnancy experience like? So, they just talk about Maven because he's the easiest to talk about. For the first 15 weeks, I had severe morning sickness and I was actually losing weight because I wasn't eating enough. And then we found out he was a boy at 15 weeks, and we kind of knew he didn't have the condition at 15 weeks. 
but obviously they couldn't give us a complete answer because I denied uh, genetic testing. And then at 20 weeks, I started needing, because I'm not oxygen at night, and so I started needing oxygen 24-7 at 20 weeks. And then at 20 weeks, I also moved my hospital bed that I had in the garage. I moved it into the living room, and then we put my living room couch up to it, and that was where Michael slept on the couch, and then I slept on the hospital bed until oh. I got admitted to the hospital at 31 weeks. 31 weeks? Because mm-hmm. I actually got sick, clapping constantly, and I couldn't even talk. I was clapping so much. And the doctor was like, we got to get your cough under control because you can't even talk to me. You can't even answer his questions. So he admitted me for that. And then I ended up getting high blood pressure at like 28 weeks. And I got gestational diabetes somewhere in there. But it wasn't ever severe. I just had to watch what I ate. Like they're not too scared about the gestational diabetes because... Usually the baby grows too big. And they knew with me, I wasn't going to get too big. Like, that just wasn't going to happen. So I made it to 32 weeks and five days. And the doctor came in that morning. Michael was actually in Twin Thurs, which is where I live. It was three and a half hours away. He went home. And I called him at, like, five in the morning and said, they're coming to take the baby today at 12. And uh, <laughs> you need to get here. And so he was 90. Yeah, the freeway, and he's still just getting to the hospital to throw the baby was here. But my father and that came, and they ended up doing a general anesthesia to put me to sleep because of my lungs and my spine. I have scoliosis, too, so my spine is like an S, mm. so they couldn't do an epidural. So they did that, and he was done, and he was doing at 3 pounds, 13 ounces. So. And was he and, fully healthy? Yeah, so he was obviously preemie. So he just had to grow and learn how to bleed and eat and suck like that. So, I mean, it's fair to say that you risked your life to become a mom, but would you say that the journey, it sounds like you did have a very rough pregnancy. You're so strong, but that sounds like a rough pregnancy. Um, I think it was actually harder for me, the delivery, and you know, Michael's always worked 60 hours a week, at least. He doesn't work the normal 30 hours. He works about 60 and so he wasn't able to be here much. So it was pretty much my caregivers. And uh, I didn't have a lot of people coming and checking on me like I should have, to be honest. But so once he was obviously in me and I landed with him, I did anything I could to keep him in me. But yes, I would say, yes, I risked my life, but I wouldn't want him to feel like that. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, you're, I mean, of course you don't want to like him to hear that or know that, but I'm sure he'll know when he's older, like how much you wanted him and how much like love you had for him before you even had him. I mean, you like defied all the odds to have your sweet boy. His name's Maven. Yeah. I mean, what an incredible story. I am just blown away by your story. It's so incredibly inspiring. Just your whole mindset, just the way that you don't feel sorry for yourself. You don't like make excuses and you have all the excuses like, and you just don't. And it, it was really, really inspiring to me. Um, I want to switch gears now and head over to more of a body positivity realm because I'm on this whole kick. I'm creating this course called become body positive. And I feel like there are many people who struggle with body image, whether it be someone who is disabled and in a wheelchair like yourself, or someone who has a very fat body. Society tells us that that's, you know, not normal. And there are so many fat phobic people, but then also people who struggle with being too skinny can have issues with body positivity. I mean, literally it runs the gamut. Like, I mean, 
I could count on maybe one hand the amount of people that I know who are very confident in their body and love their body just as it is. Would you say that you're somebody who loves your body just as it is? Yeah, I would say I'm pretty comfortable with my body. I always kind of have been. I'm a nudist at health. If I don't have to go close, I prefer not to. My husband's always like, the beach is your way, Just a bit. Go get some yeah, I'm pretty comfortable with my body. And now, like, now that I'm a man, I look at my body and I'm like, that has the baby. Like, how can I not be okay with it? It's a badass body. Yeah. Like, it gets that. And I actually notice that with people that aren't confident in their body, and I guess what I tell them is pick something that you are okay with. Like, their eyes or their smile or something that's not, you know, too skinny or too fat or whatever, and just focus on that and quit worrying about the rest of their body. Because obviously, like, my arms are cooking, my legs are cooking, my back is cooking, my belly looks bigger than it is. In fact, the first time my husband saw me without a shirt on, he's like, geez, I thought you were kind of a chunky girl. Like, he's like, and you're not. Because I just, my body, the way that it's shaped, it looks fat, but it's not. Yeah. And so, I've just been confident. I don't know. I guess I've never thought of my body as fat. Maybe in my teen years, I struggled, but no, that was because I couldn't get the blaze in there. You know, they are friends on me. So that might have been the hottest night. Okay. So absolutely love this. So, you know, I love your tip to choose something to focus on that you actually enjoy about your body rather than something that you hate, whether it's fat or hair or lack of hair or whatever the case may be. So something that you said that was truly so powerful on your website is I am not my disability. Rather, it is a part of who I am and therefore I have to deal with it. I absolutely love that. And I actually love the idea of being able to have that type of a mindset regardless of, you know, your body. Like I feel like someone who has a larger body that may have always had a larger body knows that no matter what diet they go on, they're always going to have a larger body. And they could say that themselves. Like they could exchange the word disability and say, I am not my body or whatever, you know, quote unquote flawed is that they think that they have or that society tells them that they have. They can literally swap out disability and say, I am not my body. I am not my hair loss. I am not my hairy arms, whatever it is that they struggle with. I wanted to ask, like, do you have any other tips for somebody who has, I mean, it sounds like you haven't really struggled with a whole lot of body issues, even though you are disabled, which is absolutely amazing. Like who are your parents? Like they must've done such a, I mean, they did a wonderful job raising you, it sounds like. How did you yeah, get that? So my, my relationship with my family, I don't know how much you went into my blog, but is actually very strained. I call myself an orphan now. I am pretty much disowned from my parents and my sister. So um, sorry to hear that. Yeah, I actually didn't know that. Can you explain to me why you have, you know, disowned yourself from your family? And most of it has come with how they handled me wanting to have a baby. And now that my son is here, there was just a lot of, I don't want to get too personal, but basically there was just a lot of negativity and lack of support. I don't want to be specific, but one of the members was not negative, not bad. Um, that relationship happened later. But the other two, during the pregnancy and after my son was born, they actually took what could have been a beautiful experience and actually added a lot of negativity, sadness, and pain that I finally just had to cut ties for the sake of Maven and for the sake of my own self, my own mental health, 
that there was a way to do it that didn't have to be vindictive and just complete nasty. And, you know, eventually start to support the decision. You know, I mean, being scared at some point is going to be obvious. It's almost going to be expected. But at some point, you would think that there would be support behind it. And especially after having your son, um, has there been any steps to repair the relationship? I don't allow it. Too much has been done. Too much has been said. Too much has happened. That It's not that I hate him. I don't wish him ill. I don't have any, like, bad feelings. I just, for my own sanity and the sanity of my son when he's big, well, he already knows him a little bit. And he's going to eventually, you know, they were talking about him. When they were talking about these negative thoughts and saying these things, they were saying that about him. Like, he was a human being in my belly. Yeah. You know, I kind of want to dive deeper into this because there are a lot of people, especially now, I get this all the time, that if I'm embracing my postpartum body where I have a little bit more cellulite and I'm like fatter than I've ever been, and the number one comment I get is, well, oh, now you're just encouraging a fat lifestyle and you're encouraging, you know, to be unhealthy and whatnot. So something I wanted to ask you is how do you know to set those boundaries and know when to, you know, recognize that someone is actually just being more detrimental to you and especially family. It's really, really hard to combat this with family, the people who love you most or you think love you most and care about you most. How do you recognize when they're actually not being helpful for you and how do you set those boundaries? So like for me, with none of the members, I gave multiple chances, like, you do not need to call me at three in the morning and tell me how I'm going to die. Like, I do not need to hear that. Like, stop. I put boundaries, little ones. And then that person just kept crushing them and crushing them and crushing, like, every time I put them. And so I said, if I put every boundary up and they're still breaking them somehow, someday, what else can I do? There's no no repairing that I can do here. And that's, I guess, like, if you have tried to put small boundaries, like little, tiny, let's not talk about this. And they crush that, and they crush that, and they crush that. You just have to say, yes, it's family. But I have this saying in my bathroom. I don't know the whole saying, but it's basically family is a blood. It's the people who are there for you. And that is so true. Just because you're my this person or this person or this person does not make your decisions okay. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with that more because I have had a bit of a toxic relationship in a different level, but I wanted to touch base on that. So now let's like flip the table and say, I am a family member to somebody who is choosing something that I don't agree with, whether it's a pregnancy that's super high risk or let's say it's an eating disorder, like let's flip the switch and say that I have a family member that's doing something that I think isn't healthy for them and I only care about them and I only want the best for them. What can I do to kind of reach them and be able to support them and love them in the midst of what they are choosing that I think isn't great for them? So I am a firm believer. You can say at one time, you sit down, you have a true, honest conversation with that person. And you get the other side of it. Like, you give them the chance, like, to come back and say, yeah, I don't think this is healthy. So basically, I would say, and this is kind of that I gave my family members, you get one time to sit down, say everything you want to say. Say whatever crap you got to say. You hear what they have to say back. And then you drop it and you become supportive. And you can be supportive from a distance. Like, I would have been OK 
say for my situation is they would have stepped back and just that's from the sidelines. And, you know, even that's on social media, whatever, and just kept their feelings aside because that's the became like I needed, especially in those moments when I was towards the end of the pregnancy, but I hadn't been in the hospital yet. I needed somebody to just say, how can I help you? Oh, what do you need from me? Oh, I love you. And you got yeah. this. And that's that I didn't get from me certain people. Instead, I just kept getting the held conversations and it just kept compiling. I think so that- I would say you give them one chance to say what you need to say and then... I think that is honestly the best advice. I think sometimes we love our family members so much that we think that we know what's best for them. And obviously your family thought that they knew what was best for you, which was not to have a baby. Obviously you knew there was going to be a ton of risks involved. You were well aware of that going into it, but that's what you wanted and you were willing to take the risks. And you're right. I think that that's a really great way to approach it is like, I want to tell you this isn't safe. I'm scared for your well-being, but I'm going to love you and support you as best I can, not kind of like tell you I told you so, or you know what I mean, like throughout the struggle. I would say that's the same for like addiction. You see something that's an alcoholic, you see something that's whatever the situation is. You cannot change people. Like you cannot. Like if I didn't have tried to get pregnant, I wouldn't have fulfilled who I wanted to be. I always wanted to be a man. So it was a piece of me always missing from me. I fully understand that. I feel like a lot of women could definitely relate and understand that as well. Yeah. And to that note, what is the best thing about being a mom? It's hard because, you know, you're the parent. You want to be the parent. But I, he's my little buddy. He's my little best friend. We do everything together. And I love just seeing the world through his eyes, seeing the excitement. Like when we go to the museum or we go, you know, the aquariums or whatever, or even at home, you see something clear, like, just seeing things from his eyes, I think would be my favorite. And I have an excuse to do the childish things, like, playing buddies. Like, (laughs) no one's gonna judge you, because you're bad. Like, it's okay. Yeah, no, I totally agree, too, because it's true. Like, when you have a child, and, like, the small things become so, like, amazing. Like, the world just becomes such a brighter, happier, lovelier place, without a doubt. Um, we've asked this to several moms, too. What have you found is the hardest part, even going through as soon as your son was born? What was the most difficult part to the journey that you're on up until now? I would say it goes back to coming back to my condition. It's not so much of parenting that's been held. But, like, if I'm having a day where I'm having a lot of burn pain or a big fracture, something like that, is I can't just go take a nap. I can't just go lay in bed all day. Like, I used to lay in bed for days if I wanted to because I, you know, when I wasn't looking, that's just what I could do. Now, he needs me. He needs breakfast. He needs lunch. He needs dinner. He needs entertainment. He needs squares here or there. You know, he needs something at all times. And I'm mad. And... Like I said, my husband looks that I always said, it's on me. And I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions that I think people think is like that I have Eddie's head, the latter head taking care of my son. It's been 90% on me when it comes to the daily tasks well, that, for raising him. 
Yeah, I mean, that bond is something that you'll have forever, and it's the most incredible bond ever. And I think you're setting such an example for him, especially with the time and energy that you're putting in. And, you know, it it really does become about the kids at that point. And, you know, anything that's happened before, any relationships, things like that, when you see your kids smile or having fun, it's like all of that just sort of wastes away, you know, when you're living in the moment with your child. Trisha. Yeah, Trisha, it was so great to have you on and to chat with you. I hope to get to know you more and more. I am totally cheering you on. And I just love, love, love your positive mindset and the way that you admit, of course you have frustrations. We all do, but somehow you're always able to spin it around and just stay strong. And man, the perseverance inside you is, is just so inspiring. It really is. Like you set your mind to something and girl, you do it, <laughs> which is really, really incredible. So yeah, thank you so much for taking the time out to come on Hot Marriage Cool Parents. We adore you. Thanks for being so open and vulnerable and sharing your story with us. It means an awful lot. Where can everyone listening find you? And and she did 19 on Instagram. And she did that. I absolutely love that. I'll be sure to include that in the show notes. It was so great chatting with you. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Bye, Trisha. Wow. I love hearing from people like Trisha that have an amazing story because it does really make you think about what difficulties and struggles and challenges and what you get frustrated with just in your own day-to-day life. And then to hear someone like Trisha with the disability that she has and just to be so positive and so absolutely thrilled that she was able to have a child because she's always wanted to be a mom what really impacted me the most and something that was really tough to hear was the relationship with her parents and some of her family members. I know that they most likely had her best interests in mind, but as a parent myself, you know, I think that there's some point where if your child is so hell bent on doing something and they really, really want you to be there for them, at some point you would think that you would support them even if you think that it's not what you would do or what your choice is. And I understand the possibility of death would be a tough pill to swallow, especially going through, but to not be there for her in time of need is, it's just really upsetting to me. And it's, that was really tough to hear, but I'm happy that Trisha does have the support and love from her husband, her child, and it's really, really great to see them doing well. So all the best to Trisha and Thank you all for listening. And next week, we're going to have another great episode, another recap of Married at First Sight with my parents. Jamie will be back. And for everything Hot Marriage Cool Parents, you can look us up on Instagram at Hot Marriage Cool Parents or Jamie or my handle at Jamie and Otis or at Doug Hayner. We love to hear from you. We love your reviews, any suggestions or anything that you have. Please feel free to reach out. Definitely stay tuned for Jamie's Become Body Positive digital course, which is coming out. And if you want to check out Become Body Positive, you want to see what it's all about, or maybe you just want some helpful tips, there are two free webinars coming up next week on the 24th and 25th. So definitely reserve a spot from there. You can register, go to Become Body Positive at our Instagram handle, or you can go to jamieotis.com slash Become Body Positive. We'll be sending out emails as well. So definitely stay tuned for that. And again, love you all. Wear a mask. We'll see you next week. Goodbye.